The following program contains mature subject matter not suitable for young viewers and graphic images that may be disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. It's been a while since we've had a podcast. I am the Fat Man Farmer. And I'm Wee Wild Woman. And we are finally having another episode. We've been off for a while. I wouldn't say we've been off. We haven't been recording because we haven't, one, left the farm very much. And two, Wee Wild Woman has been on lamb detail. So uh, we're going to catch you up on what all has been going on on the farm and some of the things we have going on and what we're going to be doing in the future. So let's go with the lamb update. We had what, about a hundred lambs? Probably. And so this was kind of a rough year and we don't know if it was because of the temperatures, because of the drought, but it's not just us. Um, people we know who raise goats, um, People, other people who do sheep have also said in this area they had rough years for um, births and animals. So this was across at least five or six farms that I know of, and not just in our area. Some of them are, you know, an hour or two away. Some of them are states away saying that they've had bad years. So I'm um, kind of curious what's going on. I don't know if it was the temperature or if it was because of the drought and then the feed, uh, or if you were grazing only. But some of these farms didn't only graze. They fed. They fed hay. They fed, um, you know, pellet feed or whatnot. So don't know. All right, so we had about a hundred lambs, all of which who probably need new homes. We are up to probably 300-ish sheep, and we have got to drastically reduce our number. So if you're thinking about getting into sheep or you would like a herd of your own, reach out to us. Uh, we do not, right now we only have small rams who are going to get banded here soon. None of our bigger rams are going anywhere. Um, we like all of them. We like their genetics. We have some ewes, older ewes who can go. We have ewe lambs, ram lambs, and weather lambs that are all going to be able to be going. So depending on what you're getting, what size they are, what age they are, depends on prices. Um, so, we Wild Woman was on Lamb Watch because she didn't want to be out there if any mommies had issues during lambing. She was going to be there on the spot. This year, you did pull your first lambs, didn't you? Yes, I did. So, when you pull a lamb, you are helping mom because uh, she just is either too tired or the lamb's too big or labor went on too long. So, you'll have to give a little extra help that's knowing when to pull, how to pull, what to pull, so that essentially you're not pulling pieces off of a limb. You know, as a baby, they are still fragile, and, you know, if you pull in the wrong spot or the wrong way, you can pull the arms completely off. So... That doesn't usually happen unless the limb is already dead. This is true, but I'm just saying it's a, a precautionary, you know, kind of know what you're doing. You don't just go in there willy-nilly. Um, you know, senior farm boss had to use some of her um, pulling instruments this year, which luckily she bought some after watching um, Sheepishly Me on YouTube. Sandy Brock, we've learned a lot from watching her videos on lambing, sheep, sheep health, um, and these kinds of things, sorting, uh, nutrition. And watching some of her videos on the tools that she has in her barn and for emergencies and whatnot, we went ahead and picked up some extra tools. Um, I don't even know what it's called, but I know what it looks like. Uh, it's, it, it's a rope with a, in a plastic tube so you can... It's not rope, it's a metal. It's a wire, not a rope, that you were able to put that inside the U to be able to help pull lambs and possibly turn lambs. Um, we did share a video of a farmer who showed how to help get the head out from a lamb that or a U that was having difficulties 
and he did not go in through the vagina. He stuck his fingers in the butt, grabbed a hold of the head with his fingers, and pushed the head through versus pulling the head. So when you're pulling the head, you can dislocate the spine and kill the lamb or paralyze the lamb. This way you were more pushing than pulling. So I learned something new. We haven't had to use that technique, but it's one of those things, if you know about it, it's better to know about it and know the tools or have the tools than never have to need it. Um, we are running on mics that don't have the wind blocker on it. We have seemed to have misplaced them or lost them, so hopefully we're not getting a lot of extra sound in there. We won't know until we get home and you know upload this. So we pulled some lambs. We've had, we lost a couple of ewes from just the babies were too big and there were no way they were coming out. And this is part of our own poor management from last year where we didn't separate rams. We didn't pull them earlier so that we had later births in the year. Um, we kind of did a free-for-all of just everybody was out with everybody. So some of the smaller ewes were not able were were bred who probably shouldn't have been and you know lesson learned we won't ever do that again will we so this year i think we are taking a year off from lambing we need to get our numbers down let some of the weathers and ewes get some size on them um and then it's just something we don't have to worry about next year of not having any babies so you know, maybe this will be an easier year this year. Just take a year off. Um, just that way we don't have to worry about who's going where, separating, um, you know, constantly on lamb watch, uh, and then get some of our numbers down in the process. So, let's see, that's about lamb. Let's see, we had a bunch of bottle babies this year in the house. Um, we, Wild Woman, had three living in her room for the longest time. We call them the shit shits. Um, and that is Sweet Pea, Kahlua, Kahlua and Crybaby. Cry and each one of them has a unique story of why they're bottle babies. So uh, let's start with Sweet Pea. Um, we found Sweet Pea, didn't we, in the feed room? Yeah, which is nowhere close to the other sheep. And we have no idea how she got there. So the sheep were several gates and doors and, like, barn enclosures away from the feed room. And Sweet Pea was a very large lamb, and, there, and she was still wet, sort of, but there's no real way for her to get to where she did with with any kind of just on her own it's almost like someone picked her up brought her around and put her in a different spot they made the farms haunted maybe but you'd think there'd be other things that are going on so we don't know who her mother is we went and looked but nobody claimed her she was somewhat hypothermic so she was cold um, brought her in got her temperature up, got her some colostrum, and then started looking for mom. None of the other youths looked like they, nobody was crying for her. We couldn't tell if anybody had birth, given birth. And part of that is our fault because we didn't shear them earlier. So usually when you shear them, you can see the udders easier. But nobody was shorn at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we couldn't find mom. So I guess that meant we were mom for a while. And then... Kalua came from Bailey, mm-hmm. and um, Bailey had a hard birth, and she just never really recovered from lambing. She also had a parasite load. Yeah, we because we didn't shear earlier, we didn't worm them on our regular schedule. So typically, all the ewes will get wormed prior to lambing. And this is so that the birth doesn't put an extra load on their body. They can handle a certain amount of parasite load normally. And, you know, their bodies are able to adjust, keep up with it. Because we don't worm indiscriminately. We worm as needed. And if they can carry the parasite load and manage it and keep weight on and stay healthy, we don't do anything. 
So, but the ewes, when they go into birth, that taxes their body a lot, and then if they already have a parasite load, that is just that much more. So we will worm the ewes prior to birth. We didn't do that because we shored late, um, because the temperature, everything was here was crazy this year. It would be up in like the 60s or 70s and drop back down to like the 30s and 20s. Yeah, and so in like a week. So it was all over the place, and that's, I think, had a lot to contribute to animal health that they actually eat based on the temperature. So when the temperature is lower, they their rumen and their eating cycles change um, versus when it's warmer out. So with those shifting temperatures, their body never really got to acclimate to what was going on around them. So you know, by the time their bodies changed, it had changed the temperatures had gone up or down, their body starts changing, then it switches again. So we were up and down from 60s one week to 20s to zeros, you know, the next week. And they kept doing this back and forth and back and forth. And it just, it was crazy. Uh, get all the hoses out, put all the hoses away. Freezing water troughs, non-freezing water troughs. You know, what we were doing for hay and grasses... It, I mean, this the whole temperature messed everything up on the farm. From we didn't do any syrups this year because of the temperatures, to the fruit trees not putting on um, fruit because the flowers all froze off. Other than like one apple tree. Yeah. So um, we'll get into all of that later. But for the most part, you know. So anyway, back to I kind of digress. Bailey, we we lost Bailey, who was out of Daiquiri, right? And so we're, we're, we're continuing the theme, Kalua, or mother calls her Kalula because for the longest time we couldn't say, um, she can't remember Kalua, she kept calling her Kalula. Kalula. So mother thought that was funny and kept it. Well, that's kind of cool. So we're driving by some wheat fields and they that's have... Wheat. Yeah, so they were microbursts where the wheat has laid down in the field. Now, I think it's cool, but the farmer doesn't. So that's a loss of product right there because it will bend over and break or the combine won't be able to harvest it appropriately. And a downdraft like that is, or a microburst is where the wind comes straight down onto the ground, hits that, and it flattens all of the, the wheat out. And... Uh, you know, it's a loss. They'll probably they may be able to claim that on crop insurance, and that happens when you have the you know, thunderstorms and whatnot. So again, he's that wheat probably should have been harvested already, but because of the temperatures and everything that's going on, probably why it's still on the ground. All right, so that's Kalula's story. Uh, sweet pea? No, no, we already went sweet pea. Uh, crybaby. So we went out one day to, to do morning chores, let sheep out, and Crybaby was just with Athena, the, the livestock guardian dog. And she was keeping an eye on him, licking him, keeping him clean. She also, when I got out there, she also had to start to eat the placenta too. Okay, well, she does that not because she's a dog, but that's part of her, um, her nature as a guardian dog because if there were a hundred placentas laying around in the pasture and either the sheep didn't eat it or whatever, that's going to attract predators. So she does that to clean it up so that there aren't predators around. I recently read a thing uh, about livestock guardian dogs that if you have a sick or dead um, out in a pasture or wherever, that the guardian dog will actually eat it. And it's not that they're eating what they're trying to protect. They're doing it to keep it away from predators coming in. So a dead sheep out in a pasture will attract coyotes, raccoons, eagles, you know, all these kinds of predators that might come in because they smell it. So if there's no smell of a dead animal, then they won't be coming in to look for it. So that's part of their, their job. I never knew that. Now, Maybe this person was wrong. Maybe it, it's they're just making this all up. But it, it does make sense. It's logical, at least. Um, 
So, um, we don't believe that Athena did anything wrong. She was doing her job. Probably Crybaby was mother just up and left him. Didn't, maybe it was a first-time mom. Didn't know what she was supposed to do. But she took off. And we went and looked at all of the ewes, trying to find who mom was. Couldn't find any heads or tails of who he belonged to. And so Athena just did her job and kept baby safe and you know, no mom there so instead of it crying it snuggled up with her and she was doing her job of protecting it so those were the three that you had let's see and then we have Karen Karen is mine Karen thinks she's a dog she lives in the house right now she uses wee-wee pads, like doggy pads, when she's in the house. She goes and pees on one of those versus just randomly. Now, the poop, she does kind of randomly poop, but it's little pellets, so you can sweep it up with a broom pretty easy. She has to go out when she goes to potty, so she kicks at the door when she wants to go out and go potty. So, um, how did we get Karen? Oh, that's right. She was in the barn. So we had, um, when the, the ewes lamb, we usually try to pin up the ewes and the babies, the lambs, together, um, away from, not away, but where they can still see the rest of the flock, but they're not with the flock, they can't leave, and give chances of mom and baby to bond. Nobody tries to steal babies. Babies don't get confused of which mom is there, so they get some time to get each other's smells and learn that this is who I belong to. And Karen's mom was in the pen, and when we were letting the sheep out, she just jumped the fence, took off, and never looked back. So we tried to go back and track her down, and she wasn't having anything to do with it. So Karen became a bottle baby. She was too little to go in with the shit shits. Yeah. And we wild woman had enough on her plate with three bottle babies that she took care of all on her own from day one. This was, you know, we'll feed them if she's busy or something or she's doing something else. But for the most part, cleaned their cages, took up, cleaned up after them, fed them. Um, we made up the formula just because we were making it up in a gallon at a time. But for the most part, she did everything on her own. Took them out when they needed to go out, and now they're living in the barn. Finally. Which, which gives you peace of mind because about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, they'd start throwing fits. And it's usually because Karen got up, heard me up or boss lady up, and wanted a bottle. So she'd cry which make the other ones wake up, then they would start throwing a fit because they wanted to go outside, which would wake up Junior Farm Boss here, and she likes her beauty sleep to sleep in till 8, 8.30. I get up earlier. I just don't want to get out because you're comfy, you're warm. You don't want to get out of bed. So she would get very irritated and lots of bad words out of her mouth and when the shit shits would get up and start throwing a fit that early in the morning. Some mornings she'd just get up, feed them a bottle, throw them outside, and they were on their own until we got out for chores. So it's almost like it's a band name, Karen and the shit shits. So we don't have, Karen may go outside and live, but she really... She likes to hang out with the shit shits, but she doesn't really like to stay with the shit shits. She'll go and hang out with them for a little bit, and then she wants to go sit under the porch with the dogs. If we're going inside, she's usually right there with us to go back into the house. She'll come in, get a bottle, and then go find somewhere and park it, take a nap. She lays on the floor like a dog like on her side all sprawled out she doesn't lay like a sheep on her feet or on her legs like tucked under like most sheep do she also dreams and talks yeah she talks in her sleep it's giving me many panic attacks you hear this weird sound coming from the other side of the couch or under a table and it's her dreaming oh she plays with a ball too oh 
So we got a ball for Thorsten, and he's the house dog. He's not real into that ball. He likes other ones, but that's he doesn't like that one. Well, Karen starts headbutting it and rolling it around the floor. And we tried getting her a bigger one that's more her size. Nope. She likes this one, and she, she'll roll it around the floor, and when it gets stuck, she tries to paw at it and get it out. So there's videos on our, our, our Facebook page of Karen. Um, we've now started doing, well, I've started doing some Facebook reels with different videos that we have going on on the farm. Let's see. Is that about all we have on sheep? We're about, I think we have, what, 20 or so sheep left to shear? I shouldn't say we. We as a farm, but I don't do any of the shearing. You and Mother have done all of the shearing this year. So uh-huh. that's roughly 200 sheep that they've shorn by themselves um, and this is 10 to 12 sheep a day on weekends when it's not raining I mean, we haven't had rain for a good month this first time it rained was this last was it a weekend yeah Yeah. and when did we need it we got like an inch and a half I think it's going to rain again today so all the pastures were super dry cracked we were having to put fence posts in and it was like banging it into concrete. Usually when we're putting in fence posts it's 6 to 10 hits with the fence post pounder and they're in. We have really good soil. But it's also clay and when it's super dry like this, it's like pounded into concrete. We were at between 50 and 100 hits to get each post in. And after four or five, my arms were just dead. I couldn't even continue. Now, the day after the rain, I went out and put posts up. I did 35 in like an hour. It didn't mean no time because the ground had some water in it again. It was softened up. So, all right, so let's see. You've got about 20 sheep left to shear. And we're talking maybe 300, 400 pounds of wool that came off the sheep. Which is also available if anybody needed it for beehive insulation or house insulation. Um, I've heard that people in building tiny houses or the school bus houses like to use uh, sheep wool for insulation. We have. I don't co- think it's the best to like make stuff out of because it's got different stuff in that in it. Well, she used some real words, stuff and this and. The- okay, I don't know what the name of it is. Building in that was the only thing that came to my mind. So what you're saying is it's not good for spinning and making into yarn because we some of them were matted pretty bad. They had lots of VM, which is vegetable matter. So that sticks and sticker bushes and leaves and poop and whatever else is in their wool. Uh, we found grain in some of them. Uh, seeds and others uh, we we did hit some unexpected sheep that we did not think would have good wool actually did have very good wool um, and most for the most part they were all really good for shearing weren't they nobody was throwing a fit or anything they just kind of stood there and we would get occasionally though some, somewhat really like just jump up or like it's the spastic ones that are the, the Shetlands, isn't it? No. Oh. Not always. Just random? Just random. Well, it can be good to put in your garden, though, to help keep weeds down. Yep, we have been using it as a, uh, a wool, or a seed weed barrier in different places in our gardens. Um, the dogs have been using them as a mats and pillows that they go and lay them in their room. So this is Segan and Freya who are front hill. They're, they're guardians around the house. They can't be loose right now because they seem to want to chase cars as opposed to protecting livestock. So we haven't found a good way to keep them on the property without getting out on the road which is where they want to be and either they're going to get hit or something else is going to happen and just assume not have that. 
also because Freya can also probably scale cow panels. Yeah, she she climbs, jumps. She's very agile. Um, on a side note, on talking about dogs, we will be getting a new livestock guardian dog at the end of the month. He will be twelve weeks old. Yeah, um, maybe older than that. I have to go back and look at my notes. And I, he is going to be a counterpart for. Athena, she, he will either be guarding the chickens or being wherever she's not because the sheep aren't always in the same area with the chickens or other animals and we have a fox who has learned wherever Athena is to go to a different area to start picking off poultry. And we have yet to been able to kill the fox. So, Athena does her job. She keeps the foxes and everybody away. We haven't lost anything to eagles or hawks. Um, nothing to turkey vultures. Because I'm sorry, I, not turkey vultures. It's black-faced vultures. That and I've also trained her to scare them away. Yes, you have. You have enforced that with her, that birds are bad. She is to the point that flying birds are so bad... The barn swallows don't really stand a chance. If she can get a hold of a barn swallow or a robin or anything else that flies, it's it's not going to be good for that bird. So all flying birds are bad, in her opinion. She is scared of the geese, though. She avoids the geese with a good 20-foot radius. I mean, she could, she could end those geese in a heartbeat if she wanted to. And the geese are pretty much assholes. So, she, she, whenever the geese are around, she makes a really big circle around them to go wherever she's going. Um, so, Aries, who will be coming at the end of the month, will be training. He has two full years of training once he gets here before he's left alone unsupervised. Now, Athena had a good training program from... Henderson Farms, who's in Monrovia, and um, that's where we got her from. She had already been around goats and chickens and ducks and cats and pigs. and pigs, and she did really well. She was released, for the most part, at a little over a year, pretty much full-time basis at 18 months. Um, she still has her moments when she is running and has energy and the sheep run from her and she thinks they're running with her so it's a big game that everybody's running and will are exercising together and she thinks it's fun she's not really chasing she just everybody's running and she's running with them while the sheep think oh god she's chasing us and they're running from her she's running with them like hey guys we're all running together it's a fun game so we, we try to discipline her on that. Tell her that's not okay. And she stops and she looks just like, okay. She, oh, she found a turtle for the first time the other day. We posted a video of that too. I didn't see it. I posted it on Yes, I sent it to you. No, you didn't. I'll show it to you later. You sent me a video of a turkey for some reason. With a saddle on it. Oh, that was funny too. Anyway, so... We put the sheep out into a new pasture. It's got some woods in it. And Athena went out with them. And I'm walking the fence line to make sure there's, you know, no down fence. Kind of keeping an eye on the sheep, where they're all going. And behind me, I hear Athena just barking up a storm. Barking like crazy. And this pasture that they were in backs up to one of our woods pastures, which is 12 acres of nothing but woods. Um, that's kind of wild. So I thought maybe she saw the fox, saw a coyote, or saw maybe a deer by the way she was barking. So I walk over to where she's going, and she's pointing at something on the ground and barking. And she looks at me, and she looks down at the ground, she keeps looking at me like, Hey, there's something right here. You need to come look at this. So I walk over to her, and she's still barking, and she's like pausing, and then she jumps up back. And she's really, like, she's curious and scared of whatever it is. So I get up, and it's a box turtle. So she obviously has never seen a box turtle before, but she knew 
it didn't belong in the pasture. This is something different. It was alive and it shouldn't be there. So she barked and alerted and she kind of pawed at it and she'd sniff it and whenever it would move she'd jump back. She, she didn't know if it was going to come get her or not. So I moved it to the other side of the fence where she wouldn't be able to bite it or you know chew on it. Once it was on the other side of the fence, she barked for a good 10 minutes telling that turtle that it didn't belong here and not to come back. It was a different bark than was when it was in the pasture. So, if you don't have guardian dogs, they have distinct barks. And it takes a while for you to get used to what the barks are. There is um, just a random bark where they bark to let everybody know there's some, they're there to protect the, the farm, the flock, whatever their guardian, they just bark. And they kind of wander around in circles. Now, they may smell something further away, they may have heard something, but it's really not a specific at anything. It's just, I'm here, don't come around. Then you have stranger danger where they're barking to whatever they see to stay back. That they actually have a threat that they see or hear and they know where it is and they're directing it at it and they're usually facing whatever they're barking at versus randomly barking in circles. Jack, who was our, our first dog that we got, livestock guardian dog, he, he, he was an old man and he, I don't know if he just heard things, he was hard of hearing or what, but he would just randomly bark in circles. He would, you know, walk around the house barking in circles not really at anything. Athena will do that sometimes. The girls will do that sometimes. Um, then there is I'm going to kill you, Bark. And those are pretty serious. They are acting... There is something that is within their grasp to be able to get. Um, we haven't heard that very often. Um, I heard it when Freya took down the deer. Um... Sometimes uh, when she's got skunks or uh, groundhogs. Which are her favorite. Yes. She absolutely hates groundhogs. Either she hates them or she loves them because she eats them for like a week after she kills them. Um, skunks are another one that she hates, but she'll eat them as well. And let me tell you, not only did she get sprayed, but rolled in that thing. Oh my god, did she stink for the longest time. And then every time she came around her, you could smell her before she even came around the corner. And all she wanted you to do was pet her and come up and love on you. And she stung so bad. Even after, like, I would say a good month of it wearing off of her, if you touched her, your hands would smell like skunk. Speaking of smelling like skunk, if you smell something on your property that, or usually it's around chickens or ducks or your poultry, that may smell like a skunk, foxes smell like skunks. Their musk kind of smells like a skunk odor. It's not as strong as a skunk, but definitely has a skunky smell to it. So... Don't be fooled that that smell is a skunk and won't be after your chickens or whatever. Alright, so where were we at? Dogs. Um, dogs. dogs. The new dog common, Aries. So Aries, not only will he be a guardian in training for wherever Athena is not going, but he's going to be her boyfriend. So in a couple of years, we'll probably have Anatolian puppies... And they will be exposed to everything on our farm. So they should have a well-rounded... From horses, cows, chickens, sheep, turkeys, goats. Ducks. Ducks. Pigs. Pigs. Sheep. I already said sheep. Goats. I already said that. Uh, cats. Cats. Other, other dogs. dogs. Um, and then possibly people-friendly. We're not too sure. We... We want them to not necessarily be aggressive towards dangers on the farm, but we also want this, them to let us know when somebody is there that should not be there. 
Which Athena and the girls do. They do. Athena will bark. Now, she won't come up next to strangers. She will, like, circle at least five, three feet around you. Yes, she'll get a good, you know, if you're with one of us, she'll kind of patrol around you, bark, let you know, I see you. You're not supposed to be here. You're a stranger danger. But if we're talking with the person and we tell her it's okay and reassure her, she'll come to us and kind of protect us and then maybe the stranger can touch her. But I think if someone came around and was not with us, it would be a different story. What do you think? I don't know. Alright, so we've got through sheep, dogs, uh, goats. We had seven goats this year. She's doing the math. She's counting. So... Okay, we did have seven. Much to my dismay, Senior Farm Boss brought uh, Gaylord Falker, a.k.a. Greg, to the farm because we lost our buck. I was hoping we'd be done with goats and just... The goats that were left would live out till retirement and, you know, die of natural causes eventually, and we'd be done. Oh, no! Her friend, Angela, gave us a buck. And so, she said, we're going to breed the milkers. Except for, Greg got everybody but the milkers. Let's see. Gabrielle had two. A boy and a girl. Zoe had a boy and a girl. Zena had a little girl. Eve. Eve. And then, I don't know if it was intentional or he got Piper, but Piper, who's one of our milkers, she's our Labacha over Hosley Cross, had two really late in the year. I should say late in the year for when they typically drop kids. Usually it's in the middle of winter, so January, February, March. She had hers at the very end of April? Or was it June? No, it was May. It was May. So May, sometime in the late May, because they're still really, really bitty. One of them has Greg's pattern with Lamachi ears, and the other one has Greg's ears with the Oberhausley and Lamancha pattern. So it's like they combined the weird, it's weird how they came up. So uh, Piper has Lamancha ears with Oberhausley coloring. So she's brown and black with little bitty elf ears. Greg is black and white with big Nubian ears. And the kids have. What was it? Which one had, well... They're both boys. They're both boys. Who need new homes? So if you need some goat kids, there's two of them. So the black and white one has long ears... No, has elf ears. And the brown and black one... He's brown with a black stripe in that down his back to his tail which would be an over-Hosley marking, has big Nubian ears. Mm-hmm. So, interesting combo. So, we found homes for four of them already. Someone down the road who needed some brush cleaners and just starting out, so they'll be pets and loved on and whatnot. I didn't care at this point if they wanted to eat them. I just wanted them gone. Eve is sticking around because somebody didn't want to get rid of her. We are a woman. Papa. Now Piper's kids will need to find a new one because we do not need any more goats. Weathers or bucks. Now, Mother says she's going to start milking Piper or you are going to milk Piper, or I'm going to milk Piper. 
Somebody's got to milk Piper here before long. Start getting goat milk again. And she does have a much bigger udder than Lily does. So how much do you think she would give? So we, when we milk, we share with the baby. So it might be babies and mom are together all night. No. How do we do it? We separate them at, the at evening, night. And then we milk in the morning. And then they're with mom all day. Um, so we, we share the milk with them versus just separating them completely. And so they'll nurse on mom. I saw some of the older goats still trying to nurse a year old. So uh, that takes care of the goat kids, right? None of the geese had successful babies. Um, we did get some nests, and they at one time we had, what, nine eggs? Yep. And they slowly were disappearing, and not 100% sure where they were going, because they just were gone. Didn't see any evidence that they were eating them, or anything like that. They would just be nine eggs one day. Eight eggs the next. Now I saw them kick some eggs out, but they never went anywhere. Like they they would kick one out and then it would disappear. We did have a mama duck sit on some eggs, and we ended up with two ducks. baby ducks. I'm pretty sure one's a boy and the other one's a girl. So they are in the Bruder Boss 4000 which is a, a giant coop there, a brooder that I built. Uh, the, let's see, the geese next year, we are going to probably incubate those eggs and take them from them. Uh, and maybe we'll be able to get some geese babies. We did, well, I did, make a deal with another farmer who... They're looking to get rid of their geese, but his wife wanted laying hens, no roosters. So we have, oh, what about 70, 80 chicks in the brooder boss that we incubated and hatched? Yep. Some of them were for us, some of them were from chickens that sat on eggs, and we just took the babies and put them in the brooder. We haven't had the best luck of mamas keeping babies around for very long. Either they leave them or um, they like fall in somewhere and can't get out or just end up disappearing. I Maybe it's Thorsten. Maybe Thorsten eats the chicks. Maybe he has put his mouth on some before. So when we have chicks in uh, brooders in the house, Thorsten is all about the chicks. As soon as he hears them peeping, he's got to go in there and check them out, smell them. And one day I held my hand open and let him just look and see what he would do with the chick. He put his mouth on the chick. Now, whether he was going to eat it or whether he was, I don't know what he was doing, tasting it. I mean, he put I his whole mouth around. I told you guys he would do that. I told you guys when we had chicks in the barn, the area, he did that. So, no, he didn't. He was probably just going to lick or smell them. So Thorsten may be the, the, the one who's eating the chicks. Tastes like chicken. Um, but we have, like I don't know, 70, 80 chicks in there of different sizes from puffball size to uh, a little above teenager size. And those will either find new homes or, because we are selling those, guys want some chickens or layers or chicks those are available and then we have our uh, rooster return policy so um, you could buy just females layers for one price or uh, straight which would be whatever you get you get picked by the colors or whatever you want and if you get any roosters you can bring them back we'll exchange them for hens, if that's what you're looking for. They will all be moving out, well, the bigger ones are going to move out to Taj Makoop as soon as I build another little separate area. So they're not quite big enough to be with the big hens. And free range. And free range. 
but they're getting too big for the brooder box. So we're going to build a enclosure, probably four foot wide by five, eight foot long by six or eight foot tall and put it inside Taj Mahal so they can be around the other chickens in Taj Mahal but the Taj Mahal can't pick on them or attack them. So let's see. No geese. Um, we did see that one, two of your, well one or both of your turkeys, girls, was laying eggs. Not sitting on them. I think they want to. They just don't have a good place to sit. Maybe that's putting them in the barn in one of the stalls once we build Greg and Lug his spot. Maybe. Um, and they can sit on eggs out there. A bunch of chickens we had. Some chicks hatched in the. In the. They were just broody and sat on them. Right now, between Tajma Coop and the regular Coop, I think we're getting about 24 to 36 eggs a day. Seriously. Well, you've seen the bucket of eggs that come in. We're to the point where the, the front hill dogs are getting six eggs a day plus kibble. Athena gets anywhere from six to 12 eggs a day. Eggs will also make your dog's coat shinier and softer. Yes, Athena has a very nice coat. So does Freya. She's a poof. Segan's got a nice coat, too. She also doesn't get off, and she's also very chunky. She is chunky because she can't run around anymore. Um, it's also because she's fixed. Uh, Thorsten gets a few eggs here and there. Because he's a house dog, too many eggs doesn't agree with his stomach, and he gets really bad gas, and that's not good while you're sitting on the couch. Um, uh, pepperoni fart. Pepperoni fart, bad. He doesn't get pepperoni either. But if he finds eggs outside, boy, he will gobble them up as fast as he can. Let's see, what else is new? Um, about all the new babies that we have. Oh, we have baby fish. Oh, yeah, we do. So, in the pool pond... Oh, shit, what's going on here? Traffic's all coming to a stop. Sorry. Because it's Indianapolis. The traffic here sucks. It does suck. Um, anyway, sorry. Distracted trying to navigate what some of these people are trying to do. Construction, I'm sure. There's always construction. Um, we are revamping the barn. Um, kind of, we've been limping along and putting patches here and there to, to get us through, but we, we really need to sit down and just gut all of the stalls, all of the barn, and redo it for what we've learned over the last eight years now, seven years. Eight to seven, I don't what works, what doesn't, and stop putting band-aids upon band-aids upon band-aids because we need a fix right now. We don't have the time dedicated to it. So we need to just take the time, build it right, build it strong enough for what we intend to do. So part of that was we did have a brooder up in the hayloft, which was fine, but, you know, we Wild Woman was the only one going up there. I wasn't going up there regularly to take care of the birds. And it was a pain to haul the food and the water up there to feed them because we just didn't have the space. So we cleaned a section of the barn and rather than having just a, a space, a, like a 4 by 8 space on the floor, we stacked them vertically. So we have four four by eight brooder boxes that stand seven foot tall um, with multiple you know, screen doors and heat lamps that 
accommodate a lot of birds. And that saved us floor space by going vertically, so going up and down. And we're going to redo space to make it easier to get goats in and out and goats separated. Uh, senior boss likes to make everything extremely difficult as far as birthing stalls and how you get in and oh here's a space in this back corner but you have to jump over three gates climb through fences duck down crawl on your hands and knees to get back there and if you're doing this on a daily basis for water and food and having to haul hay it sucks so we need a better system with laneways easy access something that I can do, that we wild women can do, that is much easier. Locking um, pens or, you know, birthing stalls. Like sheep whistling me hats. Yes, that would be awesome. Um, she has this really awesome system that's um, basically it's just pens and metal. God, asshole. Wouldn't let me over. Um, and it, it's it's all sections that she if she needs a pen she just gets a couple of pieces of metal, drops a rebar in there, and she's got a, you know a, a five by five pen for her sheep uh, lambing jugs. So we want something like that. I think we're gonna do a little more permanent, not as mobile, um, but we need. A separate area for Greg and Lug so that he stays away from the girls. And that needs to be easy access. Athena needs a separate room so that she can get pinned up um, when we need to sort animals or everything. She doesn't get in the way, but the sheep run from her or the goats run from her, which makes it more difficult. She just wants to be by us, and we're trying to catch the animals. So everybody's running in different directions. Um... We need to have six stalls so that if somebody needs to be isolated or gets hurt, that we can put them in there. And up until this point, it's just been piecemeal together of a piece of pallet here, a piece of fencing there. There's sharp wires and screws hanging out. So overall, it, while it's worked, it's not the best system. So we're going to take everything that we've learned, what we like, what we don't like, start over and make a better system overall. And now we need to find a place for Aries to go. <laughs> Which wasn't on the plan. Uh, so am I going to be the one that's helping Aries in that because I did a good job with Athena? You did do a good job with Athena. Maybe. I'd like a dog bonded to me. Athena's bonded to you. You had your idiot stuff there on the front. We broke our idiots. Yeah, and you guys seem to be the ones that break them. This is true. That means Aries does not come up to the house ever. I know. Okay. He'll be in the barn from this point forward. So at Aries' house, we've been talking with his human parents, and he's already living with um, chickens and sheep and not sheep, goats. Chickens and goats and other dogs and cats. And But his mom and dad are there with him. So when he starts acting up or doing something to the livestock that he's not supposed to, mom or dad correct his behavior. With the girls, we didn't have parents around for them to be able to do that. They were puppies and they were kind of isolated from everything to start with. Athena was raised by mom and dad around all of the livestock as well. So I think that was part of the key is having parents raise the dogs to a point so they can curb the behavior. Whenever you get a livestock guardian dog, you can't, they're not, even if they're raised by their parents, they're not ready to be on their own until two years old. And that's a long time. And you, in that time, you don't leave them unsupervised. You, you know, you have to watch their behavior and curb their behavior. And unless you're going to be around all the time, um, it, it can be tricky for how to train them appropriately to be with their animals. 
So if you're thinking about it, that's something that if you have a job off the farm and there's nobody going to be there, that means that dog's in a crate or in a pen most of the time until it can be supervised with people. So that kind of that kind of sucks if that's how your farm system is set up. Um, that Wait, it might they, take longer to, to train. Are they making this road bigger? I don't know. We're on College Avenue, and there's like been construction on College Avenue for at least three years now. Three years of nonstop construction out here. It'd be nice if they make it larger. Probably do. You know what? They're probably putting another fucking bike path. We don't need another bike path. We need the road to be fucking wider. Well, that's to encourage people to be more environmentally friendly. Okay, obviously we're not very, you know, PC and, you know, rated PG for the for the podcast. But, you know, when you're coming through Indy and some of these high traffic or high volume areas and they're down to one lane and it's constantly, you can't turn here, you can't, oh shit, and here's the roads closed. Son of a bitch. And another road is closed. Ugh. Alright, so now we have to take another detour. I hate coming to Indy. I mean, if we weren't coming for for free feed for the animals, I, I don't know that we would ever come to this area. You know, traffic, people, everything's more expensive. It just... And isn't also the crime rate higher here? Yes, because there's more people. Now, if you think about it, Indianapolis is just a CAFO. What's a CAFO? We've gone over this. Find animal feed operation. So, like, okay, here's an example. So, in the CAFO pig lot, what happens? That's when they raise them all in the enclosed barn. With, you know, you know, they bring the feed in. What are the problems associated with a CAFO if you were raising livestock that way? Overcrowding and aggressiveness with the animals from too, not enough space. Waste uh, issues. Waste issues. There not being enough food to go around to each and every pig, but usually it's like the CAFO. Usually they bring in large amounts of food. Centralized food, it's all one kind. Yes. So, that mimics what's going on in big metropolitan cities, isn't it? They bring in food, may not be the healthiest food, not like you can go get farm fresh stuff because there's no farms around in Indy. They have a waste management problem, you have trash issues, you have sewer issues, you have issues with clean water, um, overcrowding aggression because there's too many problems. You have diseases because everybody's sitting on top of each other. I'm not saying there's necessarily disease in Indianapolis, but you have More a lot... More likely to get sick. Because of too close together, not enough fresh air, not enough things going around. It's also way hotter out here than in the country. That is true because the trees have a cooling effect while concrete and pavement have a warming effect. Okay, this is totally not on topic of what's oh, going on. Oh, does it really matter? We were running out of subject. This is true. <laughs> so our sprawl, we're at 58 minutes and we're getting ready to turn into the, the distillery. See, this is why sometimes I let you go on rants because it takes up more time. Because we needed some stuff to feed in or uh, fill the void. Yes! Um, we are going to go see King Julian of the Whiskey Makers. <laughs> King Julian is one of the master distillers at West Fork Whiskey Company, which is currently, their small operation is on 17th and, let's see, what street is this coming up? It's right off of college. Um, he's got a delivery coming in, so we're going to wait for this delivery to, to leave. Bella Fontaine. Bella Fontaine? 
that's what it is. Fontaine. Um, and that's where their main site is now, but they're building one up in Westfield, which is going to be an event center, going to be able to produce ten times the uh, bourbon and whiskey that they do here. Uh, it's going to be a big restaurant. Um, really nice facility from what I've seen on the plans and what's been going on. So they're greatly expanding the operation. Um, so, if you guys are around in this area, check them out. West Fork Whiskey Company. And we will either have a new podcast um, on the way home, or we'll see about continuing this one. I am the Fat Man Farmer. And I'm Wee Wild Woman. And we will talk to you soon.